why did the football coach go to the back? You guys know what? To get his quarterback. <laughs> this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Batters, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Mills. You ever debate what your favorite holiday is? For me, it's normally Christmas or Thanksgiving. I think mine is Thanksgiving. The food, if you are a deer hunter or you grew up or exist in a deer hunting family, it's just a fun little wrinkle, you know? Because normally, if you're a deer hunting family, after Thanksgiving's done on Thursday, everyone stays together for a night or two or into the weekend. You play some cards, you drink some beer. It's a blast. It's football on. And Thanksgiving food is just, it's the best. I love Thanksgiving food. I think Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Christmas is close behind. Although as I get older, the magic of Christmas starts to fade away a little bit. Although I think when you have kids, that magic comes back. So if if the love for Christmas is... I think it, it starts high, it dips, and then when you have kids, it comes back up. So I'm, I'm probably in the middle of that dip right now. Although it's great to see my parents, my siblings. Love Christmas. Fourth of July is great, especially in Wisconsin. We just rock Fourth of July like no other. Especially if you got a place on a lake or a friend has a cabin or like I grew up on a lake. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is great, but Fourth of July was the best, right? So I think Thanksgiving, Christmas, Fourth of July. I don't know how much farther I would have to go before I hit the NBA trade deadline. But it's, it's not far. Like, maybe there's a couple holidays. I'm a sucker, again, because I'm from Wisconsin. Love Memorial Day and Labor Day. Just a three-day weekend when the weather's nice. Give it to me, right? I, I don't think the NBA trade deadline is that far down in my list of favorite holidays. I love this day. Look forward to it every year. The buildup is excellent. And it's just you can just live on Twitter or watch TV or listen to the radio for a day, and the news just keeps coming. The hits just keep coming. It's great. It's awesome. It's one of the best days of the year. It falls on a Thursday, which is our NBA day. Anyways, this is this is perfect. This uh, this show's about to be good. You ever put the golf ball on the tee and you just laugh? You're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna crush this drive. Yeah, this show is gonna be ten out of ten. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. You are in the right place, folks. Okay. Now, I don't know how you normally listen to the show. Maybe you listen every day. Maybe this is the first time you've ever listened to the show. If that's the case, welcome. Maybe you're somebody that flips around from show to show. Ah, let's see what Grant talking about. Let's see what this guy is talking about, this other show. Maybe you bounce around. If you are a listener that bounces around, and look, I don't completely follow you for that. I think my show is the best show. I think I'm the best host. But if I'm talking about something you don't care about, I get how the world works. We got, we got lots of options. If you're a bounce around listener, d- d- no bouncing today. Okay, this is the place. This is where we are talking about the NBA trade deadline. I have been buried in my computer all day, really beginning last night. This is this is my this is my radio row. This is my Super Bowl. No show I can promise you anywhere in the state is going to do the, the trade deadline better than we're about to do it. Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room, is going to join us at 530. The Bucks made a trade. They offloaded Dante. They got Serge Ibaka and some picks back. Brian wrote a column for Fansided two days ago, three days ago with his list of desired targets at the trade deadline. Serge Ibaka's on there. So he's been on this. He's been doing the work. We're going to talk to Brian in about an hour and a half, and we can talk about how Serge Ibaka might help this team, what the loss of Dante means, not just as a player, but his contract situation, which is so, so important. 
in the NBA, you need to think of the contract, how much they make, how much they're going to make next, the flexibility that that money gives you. So we'll break that all down with Brian at 530. Justin Garcia, our friend from the Bucks Radio Network and our Grateful Dead consultant as well, will join us at 430. Not a ton of dead talk today. We did have one mention at the end, but mostly, of course, we're doing the trade deadline. What happened with Dante and what happened with the Nets and the Sixers as well? So that's what's coming up. You can send me a text or give me a call, 608-796-2558. Follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You know, on Thursdays, we normally do the NBA Lounge, throw on some jazz music, talk about hoop, talk about the league. But I think for the trade deadline today, do we need the music? I don't I don't think we need the music today. Who are we kidding? We need the music. Shut up. We need the music. What do you, who do you think this, who do you think's doing this show? Of course, we're going to have the music. Let's talk about the trade deadline. Started this morning with the Bucks. Four-teamer between the Clips, Pistons, and our Kings and our Bucks. Four-team deal. The Bucks move Dante out, and a bunch of other things happen. But basically what we need to know, Dante's gone, Serge Ibaka, and two second-round picks are in. And we clear up some salary or uh, clear up some roster spots, too. Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale are out. Right, so that's the deal. Before we start to break down this deal or talk about any other deals, a little disclaimer that I want to throw out there. We need to recognize that there are different types of NBA trades. There's different types of NFL trades and and NHL, baseball. Not every trade is created equal, right? Teams make trades for different reasons, right? There were four types of trades that I could think of. Number one, win now. Trying to get better, trying to contend, trying to win. Bucks getting Ibaka. That's a win now move, right? It hurts their depth a little bit, makes the money harder this summer. But you know what? We want the good player. We're wanting to win now, okay? There's a trade that you can do to clear salary, clear space. The Blazers over the weekend, they unloaded uh, Norman Powell for peanuts, basically. They just wanted the salary off the books because they're thinking ahead. We need to extend Anthony Simons. We need to retool this roster around Dame. So let's unload Norman Powell. Let's unload CJ McCollum. Clear money, okay? Now, they're not getting great players in return, but that's not the point of the deal, and we got to remember that. So that trade for the Blazers, it accomplished what they wanted. A different type of deal. Injured players. Joe Ingles with Utah. He's not going to play this year. Sorry, dude. We're going to trade you. Today, the Celtics unloaded Ball Ball and P.J. Dozier to Orlando. Both were out for the rest of the year. Get them out. Clear the money out. Save some money. Right? So injured players. That's another trade that teams would make. Or maybe uh, unhappy player. Right? You got a, you got a player that just wants out. Goran Dragic in Toronto. He just didn't want to play there. So they dealt him. Right? Iggy did this with Memphis a couple of years ago. Remember when Andre Iguodala got traded to the Grizzlies and he essentially said, "Uh, I'm not playing. Let me know when you trade me. Right? Harden got moved today. Brooklyn needed to offload him. That was uh, getting rid of an unhappy player. So when we talk about this Bucks deal and other deals that were made around the league today, we need to remember we can't judge them all with the same lens. We need to look differently at all these different trades because GMs and teams made these moves with different goals. They're in different spots. They're in different trajectories as a team. Okay, so we got to remember that. That's going to help us when we discuss these trades today. It's going to make the discussion better. Let's talk about the Bucks getting Ibaka. I really wish I could go back and tell 13-year-old Grant Serge Ibaka was going to be on the Bucks one day. Not just on the Bucks, but on a team that was defending a title. God, with Oklahoma City, he was Serge Ibaka. That back in 2011, 2012, I wish I could go back and tell my, my young self that one day he would be on the Bucks. When all was said and done, here's how this four-team deal shook out. Here's how it ended up. Here's how how 
each player went here. Let me just gonna read you Woj's tweet. Why am I trying to explain this? The Kings get Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. The Bucks get Serge Ibaka, two future second round picks, and cash. The Clippers get Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale. Spelled Ojale wrong. Nice Woj, real professional. And Pistons got Marvin Bagley. So free Marvin Bagley. Now he has a chance to, to flourish somewhere else. Shams had the original report. He beat Woj by like 15 seconds, which I like to keep track of because I think it's funny. And now that Bagley is free from the Kings, I get to start watching Pistons games, which is going to be fun. Long and short of this, the Bucks clear two spots, get two second rounders, and extra experience and depth. Serge Ibaka has played in two finals. He played with the Thunder when the Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant Thunder made it with Scotty Brooks. That was LeBron's first finals win. Serge Ibaka was on that team. That was Serge Ibaka. So he made the finals in that year. And then he made it in 2019 with the Raptors as well. So a guy who's played in the finals before, seen a lot of superstar players comfortable on the big stage. He's not going to get freaked out, right? This is a win-now move. Because getting rid of Dante makes this summer tough. Dante is one contract on this team that's not massive and isn't tiny. It's somewhere in the middle. And you need those mid-sized contracts to have roster flexibility. Because unlike in the NFL or in baseball, when you make a trade, you need to match the salary. So if Chris Paul makes $40 million and the Suns want to trade him, the trade partner needs to send back $40 million in money. Now, there are ways to tweak and finesse it, but essentially, you can't trade a $2 million player for a $20 million player. You can't do it. So if the Bucks moving forward want to have trade flexibility, they can't just have Giannis, who makes a pile, and Rodney Hood, who makes next to nothing. They, they need those chips in the middle. I, I like to think of it if you play cribbage, and I think this is an analogy I used yesterday. When you play cribbage, especially in late game, if it's close, and you're trying to win, and you know that... The, Someone's going to win before it gets to, to counting the actual hand. You want to win by pegging. You want to score points by pegging, right? Well, when you do that, you don't want all face cards. And you don't want aces and fives. You you want a mix. You want a medley. You want a two and a three, maybe a seven, a nine, a ten. You, you want a, a mix, right? And ideally, an NBA team wants the same with all of their contracts. We want a guy that makes 30, a guy that makes 25, maybe a guy that makes 15. This guy makes eight. This guy makes a million. This guy makes a million. This guy makes four million, but we're going to up that to 10 next year through an extension. You want lots of different pieces so you're flexible in bringing in new money if you want to make a trade. Dante was really the only way to do that. And I, I don't know if it's the end of the world that they got rid of Dante. I don't think there was a slam dunk choice here for the Bucks. Trading him now has some risk, the risk of giving up flexibility, like I just said. And retaining him into this offseason when he's set to be a free agent, that has risk too. So think, think of it this way. By bringing in Serge Ibaka, they are betting that Serge Ibaka is going to make the team gooder enough, just good enough to justify losing Dante as an asset this upcoming summer. Because Serge Ibaka is going to be an unrestricted free agent. So we're going to get to the summer. Serge Ibaka is free to go, and they don't have that Dante contract to play with if they want to bring in someone new. So Serge Ibaka has to be good enough to justify that. That's not a given. That's a risk. Serge Ibaka could get hurt. He's old. Maybe he doesn't play a lot of minutes in the postseason, and we look back and we think, man, why did they make that deal? That wasn't necessary. That's a risk. Holding on to Dante would be a risk, too. Dante hasn't played well this year. Now, I think he's a better player than we've seen. He's a better player than he's shown this year, and he's coming off of an injury, which we have to factor in, too. But what if Dante doesn't come out of this funk? And the rest of the year, he plays just like this. 
Bucks already have Grayson Allen. They have Pat Connaughton, who they'd like to keep. Do you really want to extend Dante? Because at that point, you're either losing him for nothing or you're extending him at a number that you're not comfortable with because he hasn't really played all that well. And sure, you could just trade him, which is half the reason you want the contract anyways. But if he's playing really poorly, why does another team want to trade for him? And if it's a bad contract for the Bucks, it then would need to be a bad contract for someone else. And teams don't just take bad contracts for fun, right? Well, if you're going to give us a bad contract, you need to give us another player. You need to give us picks. So if the Bucks held on to Dante, they run the risk of him playing poorly all year long. And now they got to extend him or they let him go for nothing. That's that's not ideal. So there's not really a slam dunk option here with Dante DiVincenzo. If I'm going to make a mistake and I'm going to take a risk and it's going to go poorly, I would rather make a mistake being aggressive. I would rather make the mistake trying to do something and trying to upgrade your team by getting Serge Ibaka rather than sitting on my hands. When you have Giannis in, in his prime, if I'm going to misstep and if I'm going to make mistakes, I, I want it to be because I'm being active and aggressive. And that's why I prefer this to sitting with Dante and just keeping him the rest of the year. Maybe Serge Ibaka works out. Maybe he doesn't. But I would rather be wrong and try and put effort forward. This reminds me a little bit of last season and the way that the offseason played out into the regular season played out into the trade deadline. Let me explain, okay? Last offseason, the Bucks added Tory, and I'm talking about before last season, so not this last summer, but two summers ago. Bucks added Tory Craig, Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, and DJ Augustine. Remember this? They brought in a handful of guys, all of them on the cheap, hoping that just one or two of them would hit. And they did. Bobby Portis was great. Bryn Forbes was pretty good, helped him win games in the regular season and had one good game against the Heat. The Bucks, in the middle of the season, then traded DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, and a pick for PJ Tucker, who's a huge part of kind of bringing the team together in the playoffs and, and winning a finals. Now, this offseason, after all those guys have now gone, except for Bobby Portis, who they extended, this offseason they added George Hill, Rodney Hood, and Shemi Ojale. Really similar offseason to last year. Let's get a couple of guys and hope one of them hits. Very Brewers-ish. Honestly, it's very David Stearns-ish. Now, we get partway through the season. We're at the trade deadline. They trade Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood and Dante for Abaca to, to come in and play a similar role to P.J. Tucker in personality and in fit, not in actual practice and in basketball and in position. So what I'm saying is, the Bucks before the season, bring in a handful of cheap guys, and then partway through the season, they take two of those cheap guys, pair them with a former first-round pick, and trade that for a player for a playoff run. Now, they did that last year. They did that this year. Next year, they could pull a similar strategy. The only problem is, who's your next Dante DiVincenzo? Jordan Wara? Better hope he starts playing better if you want him to be that. DJ Wilson was a first-round pick. Dante was a first-round pick. Who's the next guy who's bubbling up? Who's the first-round pick now that's bubbling up and is going to be able to be included in a trade like this in the future? I don't know that there is one. Maybe Jordan Wara. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to hold my breath. Maybe. The Bucks and John Horst, they need to still accumulate picks. They got some seconds today. I don't know if they're going to do anything with those. I mean, they can't trade them anymore. But in this offseason, do they use them around the draft to acquire somebody else? I, I don't know. You do need draft picks because you need a stream of players, even if it's a small trickle and only a player here and there. You do need young, appealing players to package with contracts to make trades like this at the deadline. So I'm glad they got some second round picks back. It's also too silly to try to project too far out, I think. 
So that's why we should probably take a break. I want to talk about this trade more, but I want to talk about some other trades as well. So much can change in the NBA over a course of just a couple of months. So I don't really need to project what next summer will look like. The Bucks got better today. They got an experienced player who's played in two finals, can defend, give them some depth on the inside, which is where they're a little weak. Got small this season. And this helps correct that problem. Does it cause problems down the line? I don't know. Maybe. We don't need to focus on that today. We'll come back, talk more about this trade and a couple of others, and then we'll get to Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. All that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, happy NBA trade deadline day to all of you that celebrate. Hmm. Now we normally do the NBA Lounge on Thursdays, which I throw a little music on, sip a little coffee. Today, probably going to kill the music now, but wasn't it fun to talk about trades? Harden got traded for Simmons. We haven't even touched that yet. The Bucks got rid of Dante, got Serge Ibaka back in actually a pretty simple four-team trade. As far as four-team four team trades go, this one's actually relatively simple. Uh, some of them take pages to explain. This one between the Pistons, the Kings, the Clippers, and the Bucks. Pretty straightforward. Bucks get Ibaka and second-round picks and cash. And as a result of sending players out, they also get two roster spots, which is important now that there are going to be players available through buyouts. And the Bucks, obviously a pretty appealing destination. So you want those available roster spots. Hoping that uh, some guys come calling, want to play with the Bucks and want to chase a ring. 608-796-2558. That's the number. You can text or call. You can follow me on Twitter and tweet at me at Wisco Grant. Not just during the show. You can tweet me anytime. I'm office hours. Always going on. My door's always open, but especially during the show when you want to go back and forth and share opinions. Jason on Lower Tainer Lake says, hey there, Grant. Uh, great trade by the Bucks today. I think they will have a great chance to repeat with the addition of Serge Ibaka. I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt their chances. One thing that I love about Serge Ibaka, because you got to, and we're going to talk about this with Justin in a few minutes, and I know he'll echo this. He's probably going to play 10 12, maybe 15 minutes in playoff games? Maybe. And that's assuming Brooke is healthy. Let's not get this twisted. Let's not forget that in the playoffs last year, how many minutes is Brooke playing? I'd actually have to go back and look, but it wasn't a lot. So if Brooke is healthy and playing, and you're using Serge Ibaka to spell Brooke, he's not going to play a ton of minutes for the Bucks. But I do like that he's played in two NBA Finals, one with the Thunder in the early 2010s and one just with the Raptors a couple of years ago. His three-point shooting numbers are good this year, despite some other things not being so great. His defensive metrics aren't great, but I think smart basketball people would tell you, look at the team's defensive metrics, not just the individual player. Um, And his back has had issues. Hopefully he's coming out of that. Hopefully his three-point numbers remain solid and he can just spell Giannis and Brooke Lopez and their bigs and just stay afloat because the Bucks reserves have not been good. So Serge Ibaka, even if he doesn't play very much, will be a help. I agree with you, Jason. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Josh tweets in and says, also, uh, you trade to tank. You forgot that one. Yeah, we were talking about a couple different types of trades. And this is important to remember. We can't judge all of these trades the same way, right? There are trades that are all about winning now. You're pushing your chips in. You're giving up future picks. The, the, the trade for Drew Holiday, that was one. To a lesser degree, uh, to a smaller scale, trading for Serge Ibaka is a win-now move. It's not multiple first-round picks for Drew Holiday, but it's designed to contend this year, right? Sometimes you trade to clear salary. 
Blazers unloaded Norman Powell for peanuts and CJ McCollum because they know they might have to extend to Anthony Simons, who looks really good, and they need to retool around Dame. Sometimes you make a trade to unload injured players. Joe Ingles got traded, and Ball Ball and P.J. Dozier in Boston. They got sent to Orlando. Sometimes the player's unhappy, and you got no choice but to get rid of him, right? Goran Dragic didn't want to play for the Raptors. They shipped him out. Iggy did that in Memphis a couple of years ago. Iggy Dolly's like, I'm not playing. Just let me know when you trade me. Or Harden, right, who's now done it twice in the last two years. Let's talk about the James Harden for Ben Simmons trade. Now, we heard from Wendy yesterday, Brian Windhorst of ESPN, um, I'm not going to play this whole clip because it's a minute 37 seconds long. We don't need the whole thing. But Mike Greenberg on Greeny, this is from ESPN Radio, was asking Wendy, so it sounds like Simmons and Harden, there might be a trade there. Do the players involved want this? Or is this the organization? And listen to how Wendy responds. This is how you can tell Harden wanted out bad. He was unhappy. But how about the people involved? Do we know if this is what Harden wants? Do we know if this is what Kevin Durant oh, oh, wants? Greeny, yeah. I can't tell you how much James Harden wants this. So did you hear how he jumped in there? That that jumped out to me because I was watching this clip on Twitter. The way that Windhorse responded, you could tell Wendy's been on this for days. Harden's ticked. He wants out and he's going to start tanking. He's going to get fat. He's going to not try. I mean, we saw Harden do this in Houston last year. Listen to like Wendy takes umbrage to the thought that James Harden might not want to trade. Listen to one more time. But how about the people involved? Do we know if this is what Harden wants? Do we know if this is what Kevin Durant oh, wants? Greeny, yeah. I can't tell you how much James Harden wants this. Really? And because he basically, I mean, you got to be very careful using the Q word. QAnon? Or saying whatever, but. Oh, quit. He, it took me a while to figure that one out yesterday. Harden wanted out. He was unhappy. And sometimes teams have to get rid of a guy, even if it's not the perfect trade that they want. Although, I think this is a pretty solid trade for both the Sixers and the Nets. I think both of these teams got better, right? The Nets are now going to get a player who tries because James Harden wasn't trying. And the Sixers are now going to get a player that plays because Harden plays and Simmons doesn't. So instantly they're upgrading. Now, how much are they upgrading? There's a variable for both teams. Let's start with Brooklyn. I really like Brooklyn's team now. I think this is a good fit for Ben Simmons. He doesn't need to shoot. They have Kevin Durant. They have Seth Curry. Maybe Joe Harris comes back. I was reading today, um, and, and this has been news for a little while, but I was just catching up on my Joe Harris medical info. Sorry, I don't, I don't read it every day. I caught up a week or so behind, but he might need a second surgery. I don't know if that makes him out for the rest of the year, but his original prognosis at the, at the start of the season was four to eight weeks, and obviously we're a lot past that, but maybe they get Joe Harris back. Patty Mills is a great three-point shooter. I even like their young guys. Kessler Williams, the rookie from Pepperdine, is really fun. And Cam Thomas just gets buckets. Even Blake Griffin has figured out his role. I, I've mocked him in the past. He kind of is the Brad Davison of the NBA now. He, he kind of is, but it works. I, you know, I get frustrated about it, but he, it's smart. The question for Brooklyn is, can Kyrie be available to play? You could take that a million different ways. Are there mandates that are going to change? Is he going to get vaccinated? Is he going to do that? Whatever. Will the Kyrie thing resolve itself, Right. And can Ben Simmons become a player again? You know, Ben Simmons has cited his mental health, cited that, you know, he, like, how much of it was that he just wanted out of Philly? And I, I don't want to minimize anyone having mental health issues. That's not what I'm saying. But how much of Ben Simmons' mental health struggles and struggles with basketball and struggling to play games, how much of that was, I don't want to be here? And now that he's gone, how much of that resolves and how quickly? Because if the Kyrie Irving situation resolves and he either gets vaccinated or is able to play and Ben Simmons comes back and, and plays like the player we know, that's a really good team.
Those are two big question marks, though. I'm interested to see how they play out. For Philly, Embiid is the top three or four player in the league right now, depending on where you hold LeBron. These we have Kevin Durant, Giannis, and then right now I would say Embiid is three, but LeBron gets the respect. The problem is his team isn't very good, so we don't know really what to do with him and at this age, too. Harden is probably uh, top eight. I scratched out a list earlier today. Let me grab my sheet. So I have Giannis, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Jokic, Steph, Embiid, Luka. I'm pretty confident in saying all those players are better than Harden. One might argue Chris Paul. I would rather have Chris Paul than James Harden. Now, James Harden's younger, but if you extend James Harden with the Sixers, are going to have to. That contract's going to end up being bad either way. So I, I would say he's like eight, ninth in the league. So you have a top three player and a top 10 player. They have their star in Embiid, but they didn't have to give up Maxi. They didn't have to give up Thibault. They lost Curry, but I'm not blowing this deal up and, and walking away from the table over Seth Curry while Ben Simmons misses yet another game, right? The question for Philly is, can Harden get healthy and into shape and actually become a serious contending player because his Rockets teams have flamed out in the playoffs. The Nets flamed out in the playoffs. We don't really blame him for that, but also like get yourself in shape and maybe you won't get injured. Right, you come into the season and you're and you play your way into shape, but as you play your way into shape and you're not ready to go, you get hurt, and then those injuries linger, and then those injuries prevent you from getting further into shape. So you get new injuries, and I, I just I don't know. I'm not saying James Harden isn't a serious player, but the idea that he's going to walk into Philly and now play like an MVP, well, I don't know. He's got some work to do. So a big question mark for Brooklyn, big question mark for Philly. I think both of these teams could win the East, but there's variables for both variables that don't exist for a team like the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's take a break. Talk more about this with Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network. He'll join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. A couple of texts that I really want to address and a tweet that I really want to address too, but we got to wait because Justin Garcia is here. I want to play for you the interview that we had earlier today. And if I don't start it right now, we're going to run out of time and then we got to cut off the interview and it's going to be a whole thing and I'm going to sit here stressed and I'm going to hate it. So part one, Justin Garcia talking about the trade deadline. Enjoy. Justin Garcia is here, studio host, Bucks Radio Network, uh, and we're going to do a trade deadline special. Uh, Justin, you know what I found today? Uh, the trade deadline is, is normally fun. Some years it's more fun than others. This year was a blast. You know what I found myself doing today is pulling for different insiders. Like, what a day. What a 24 hours for Wendy. A great, great 20. He was on the Harden thing last night, and then Shams outscooped him. And, and Shams got the Bagley scoop today, which is obviously the biggest get of the... <laughs> Because they, I was just pulling for insiders today. I had a blast. Uh, Shams has kind of scooped him the last couple yeah. years. Wendy had this one for a couple of days now. I mean, I, I think we all kind of knew this can't be right, but it's headed towards this is actually going to happen. But Wendy was the first one putting it out there. I mean, even this morning, I kind of felt like everything we've seen, if you read the tea leaves, this trade is going to happen, but like, I yeah. still can't believe Brooklyn is going to do this. Like I, there was a couple of Nets fans I was talking to that were kind of expressing the sentiment of you don't understand. Like we're sick of him. So yeah, get him out of here. I know we don't want to waste too much time in the Nets Sixers, but I, we've, I've seen quite a few people talk about how like, Whoa, the Brooklyn Nets are so much better now. Maybe, but uh, for me, it's still, I don't care what the regular season was going like. As long as you had those three guys in the playoffs, you have a legitimate chance to win. Yeah. And it, they might be better in the future and a more complete team, but I think this reduces their title chances. 
Well, I think there's a question mark for both the Sixers and for the Nets now. And we're projecting and thinking about, you know, where they might be in a month or two. And and no, I want to talk about that trade a little bit. I want to do the Bucks first. Um, they moved Dante today and we were talking a little throughout the week. And I don't I don't know if, if you didn't expect Dante to be moved or you just didn't expect him to be moved. I think in the same way that a lot of Bucks fans expected him to be moved. I think to break this trade down, we need to think of him more of an asset than a player. Right. Because he hasn't had a great season Bucks fans aren't particularly high on him, but he's the one player on their roster that's in the middle of the salary spectrum, right? He's not on a tiny deal, and he's not on a huge deal, and that was going to be value for flexibility moving forward. They don't have that now, and I think a lot of Bucks fans maybe weren't thinking about that coming in, and that's something that you reminded me of, which was which was necessary. I thought they would make a move. I didn't know what it would be, but um, I mean, they were obviously very high on Dante, but I thought the problem was one, I mean, he was making four and a half or four point seven million. Yeah. So that kind of limits like what the Bucks are looking for. Guys are in the eight to twelve or more million dollar range, so that limits it there. But also, I mean, I just and I think we saw from this trade, you got to to wondering, well, what really is the market for Dante? And I think we saw here there wasn't a whole lot of value for him in league circles that uh, I think most teams were basically in prove it mode for him. So I think this is a great trade for the Kings that they finally get Dante DiVincenzo. But I think there's a pretty good chance that he's going to rehab himself really well in Sacramento and uh, get a chance to get those consistent reps and, and he'll look much better. And people that will say, well, this was a bad trade for the bucks. Um, I don't have an issue with it because you're trying to defend a championship and Serge Ibaka fills one of those holes, but I didn't dislike the move, but I also think there's too many people that are, are rushing to this is a great move. Slam it's, dunk. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's a good move. It gives you depth in the front court, but I I still think maybe I'm crazy, but I think Dante DiVincenzo was going to play quite a bit in the playoffs, and really I, I think he would have played more playoff minutes than Serge Ibaka. Like the, the ceiling for Serge Ibaka is probably – 10 minutes, maybe 15 that he's going to play per game yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, and, and if Brooke Lopez is healthy, it's it's probably even less. So Brooke didn't play that much last year. Like people forget yeah. there weren't that many Brooke minutes last season. Yeah. I mean, he, this isn't PJ Tucker. Like yeah. he can't defend twos and threes. He gives you more versatility defensively than Bobby Portis. So this kind of helps in some of those series where we saw, well, when your options are Giannis, Bobby and Brooke, Giannis or Brooke and Bobby, I wouldn't say unplayable, but it was tough to keep him on the floor at times in the Nets and the Hawks yeah. series and the Sun series too. Uh, Pete or PJ, uh, there, um, Serge Ibaka helps you a little bit there, but this isn't like the slam dunk that PJ Tucker was a year ago, where it's like, man, we can play so many different ways. Yeah, it helps some of the versatility, but I think the Bucks are still they got better with this deal, but they're still you know last year they could play so many different ways with those lineups. Up until the trade deadline, they really could only play one way. This helps alleviate that a little bit. Um, but I, I think there's just a deal where Serge Ibaka probably helps you a little bit, especially going into the playoffs. But Dante DiVincenzo has, has a chance to really look a lot better going forward. Well, I would have been okay with them holding on to him. And I'm okay with them trading him away. I think it's a risk either way. I think by trading him... They risk getting Serge Ibaka and Serge not helping them that much. And then they go into the summer and they're like, well, that wasn't even worth it. Like that, that could happen. That could be a risk. But by holding on to him, like what if he doesn't get any better? 
Like we, we're, we're expecting Dante to pull out of a funk and then you extend him or you sign and trade. Well, what if he doesn't get any better and now they're stuck either losing Dante for nothing or they're extending him and then there's no interest and they're stuck with a bad contract with Dante. Like, like which one is, is riskier? I think, like you said, because they're defending a title, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'd rather make a mistake being aggressive. It's funny, too, because um, Serge Ibaka played pretty well against the Bucks, and mm-hmm. he's played his best the last, like, 10 days that really since Christmas he's been a lot better. He's been okay this year. Um, the three-point shooting played, numbers are, are pretty good. They're, those don't yeah, suck, right? Yeah. I was looking at those. And, and, and yeah, I mean, and just what he's been able to do, if you look at some of his – and I know our, our friend Seth Partnow and others will, will talk about defensive metrics and like don't pay attention to individual numbers there but like those numbers all of his numbers have started to come up really since mid-december um and he's looked a lot closer to the guy that he was you're not getting 2019 serge Ibaka and what he did in that raptors series but as long as he can give you 10 solid minutes that's fine and i think the other component is grayson allen has looked really good again the last week or so since he's come back from the injuries and health and safety protocols and the suspension um, that he's really started to settle into that role. And it kind of seems like Grayson Allen is everything that you envision Dante DiVincenzo being. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of helps it out. The George Hill component is, I would say at least interesting to keep an eye on because before the road trip uh, against the wizards game, we knew he was out. And the, the conversation we had with coach Budenholzer was, yeah, he's going to miss tonight's game. He's probably going to miss the game um, in Portland. And uh, we're hoping we can get him back early on the trip. And then he missed the Blazers game. Then he missed the Clippers game. Then he missed the Lakers game. And yeah. we were told in the in, in between, like, yeah, we're hoping to get some good news. He's ruled out again for tonight's game against the Phoenix Suns. So that's at least something to keep an eye on. But if, if you have him in the mix, we know how much Bud loves his defense. Grayson Allen had bet on playing Dante, and Grayson Allen gives you that shooting that helps you space the floor. George Hill's going to have minutes if he's healthy. Wesley Matthews is going to have minutes if he's healthy. So uh, I know I said I, I envisioned Dante playing quite a bit in the postseason. That was under the assumption that he looked a lot more like the guy he was the final month of the season last year. So they have depth there. They just didn't have it in the front court. So um, it's big, but the biggest part that we didn't touch on was you get two open roster spots now mm-hmm. and you get to replenish the picks. second round picks, which John Horst has done a tremendous job turning into players. I thought for a moment, we may see another trade where he uses some of those picks and maybe Jordan Wara. And uh, speaking of George Hill, I think the, the ultimate fear coming into the day was, are they going to trade George Hill? Because yeah. like, that's another one of those salaries. It's around 4 million. It'll help you get some stuff. I remember as, as soon as we saw the details of the Dante trade seeing two second round picks and looking at George Hill's salary, Jordan Warren's salary and saying Dennis Schroeder's been linked to the Bucks, yeah. and that matches up for those two guys and draft picks. Um, so at least George Hill didn't get done like that where he's traded for Drew comes back and then traded again. Uh, but they have enough depth in the backcourt. I think you could always use more shooting and there's a handful of guys that are going to be bought out. So they are clearly going to be active. They have to be. They need to sign two players within the next two weeks to get up to 14. Um, so, you know, we've seen Goran Dragic. I would assume Dennis Schroeder gets bought out by the Houston Rockets too. So there's going to be some decent names out there that the Bucks are going to be fighting over with other teams. We're talking with Justin Garcia. One game you didn't mention or one player that you didn't mention. What about uh, old friend 
Eric Bledsoe come back and just play some point. They need a ball handler, and he plays good defense. Wouldn't have to yeah. do a whole lot. I think he he brings more value if, especially if George Hill is going to be shelved a little longer. Um, I mean, George Hill can kind of check off some of those boxes. Uh, it's kind of the same as the Serge Ibaka discussion. Y- you just know that Bledsoe wouldn't play all that much in the playoffs. Uh, Bod loves him. We heard him talk at length about Eric Bledsoe over the weekend when when they were in Portland playing the Blazers. And, I mean, he knows the system. He has that relationship and chemistry with Giannis and Chris uh, on this team. So if if Eric Bledsoe is one of the guys that ends up here, I'm fine with it. I think Bucks fans probably have some PTSD, although it's, it's interesting that you've seen more and more people on the side of like, hey, let's bring back Eric Bledsoe. Oh, you win a ring, and it's amazing how oh, our yeah, viewpoint changes. Yeah, I'm happy to see that, um, and especially because, you know, the last time he was here, you needed him to be your third star, and you asked too much of him, and now – it would kind of be similar to the minutes we were talking about with Serge Ibaka, where it's it's like 10 minutes that Eric Bledsoe would play and not in any of those high-leverage situations. So if that's one of the guys they end up with on the buyout market, I'd be fine with it. Be fun. It's always fun to see players make a return. I mean, we got Greg Monroe. If, he, if I could go back in time and tell myself years ago that Greg Monroe and DeMarcus Cousins would both be on the Bucks in the same season, or right when I fell in love with the NBA around 2010, 2011, if I could go back and tell myself, hey, Serge Ibaka is going to play on a Bucks team that's going to be defending a championship one day. I don't know. That's just kind of cool. Let's take a really quick break. We'll come back. I want to ask you about two other deals, and then we'll wrap up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. The guest we are with now, Justin Garcia, is on Twitter at TMJ Garcia. We're not going to have time to finish this interview. We only have about eight minutes, and the remainder of it is about 11. I've failed. I've failed as a radio host. I've failed as a producer. I've just just failed. I've failed. So I'm going to play you the first part of this interview where we talk about the Harden for Simmons trade, and then we'll maybe come back to the end of it or... Maybe it'll just uh, maybe I'll just throw it in the podcast. There we go. Exclusive. It's a podcast exclusive. You got to go find the Wisco Sports Show podcast. Uh, about a half hour ago, we were talking a little bit about how the Sixers with this trade had acquired now a top three player in the NBA, and Embiid. And then we were trying to figure out where Harden falls, and I didn't really mean for it to become a thing. I just a point of reference. If you have two top ten players or a top five and a top ten, well, I said eighth, and I had him behind Giannis, KD, LeBron, Jokic, Steph, Embiid, Luca. I would also like CP3, which would be eight. Now, I thought maybe that was harsh. I don't really like Harden, but then I got a couple of texts. Brett and Claire says, put Levine over Harden. Okay, I would agree. Coach Wench says Harden isn't even top 15 anymore. I, I don't know. I'm glad that I wasn't being hyperbolic and dumping on James Harden just to dump on it. But the point is, the Sixers have two of the top whatever players in the league. Ben Simmons is now going to play for the Nets. That's a great fit. Justin and I talked about that earlier this afternoon. Here is that portion of our conversation, the second portion. We're back with Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network. So Dante is gone. Serge Ibaka is in some picks. Now excited to be talking about the buyout market. Now for us, the Bucks, that's the big deal of the day. For the NBA, we actually saw Harden for Simmons, which I think makes sense for both teams, Justin. I just There's question marks, right? Simmons has to get right. We think he can. Harden has to get right. We think he will. Right, which team are you more confident in and which player are you more confident in shaping up and, and actually helping their new team become a contender in the East? 
Um, yeah, Tough, I don't isn't know. it? Like, we haven't seen yeah. Simmons. The last time we saw him, he was so. I mean, he was he was in shambles against Atlanta. Yeah, I've I've gone back and forth on that. Um, on the one hand, I, I get what um, what all the disgruntled Brooklyn Nets fans that have been fans with the team for all of what two or three years yeah. now. I get uh, they're tired. Yeah, I, I get the well, it wasn't working, and and you have no idea how annoying this was. So it's time to move on. I get that Ben Simmons gives you the defense and now, you know, the defense was just horrendous. So Ben Simmons automatically helps you out there. Uh, but I mean, one, you're asking an awful lot of Kevin Durant now. Uh, everybody keeps saying, well, Kyrie's optimistic. Things will change. And, you know, we're seeing more and more uh, state legislation start to change, especially in New York, that uh, they they feel pretty confident that he's going to be able to be a full-time player, which is a ridiculous conversation in its Isn't own right it that we're having now. Yeah. Um, but look, I mean, you're still asking a lot of Kevin Durant, especially if that doesn't change, because now he's shouldering a lot of the offense. And yes, Seth Curry's a nice addition that they have there. Patty Mills has been okay for them this year, but it's it's not the gravitational pull that James Harden had. And, and again, we remember how terrifying it was in that series last year to think about, man, uh, how do you stop all three of these guys going in? Now that changed, what, 15 seconds into the series. But even seeing Kevin Durant and James Harden on one leg in that series, it wasn't fun. I mean, we remember how close that series was. So Making that change and saying we're giving up on this, your defense is going to be helped, but I just think you're asking an awful lot of Kevin Durant now. And, I mean, Kevin Durant, is he's dealing with some injuries again this year. Kyrie Irving's the same guy that he's missed significant time the last few years. This one's been self-inflicted. Um, but I don't know. I just don't see how that makes Brooklyn – a better title contending team. It, it probably makes them a better team, but they're the eighth seed in the East right now for the 76ers. I mean, yes, on paper, Joel Embiid may be the MVP this year and James Harden has been great, but you know, James Harden has had a history of not playing the best in the postseason. last year. You can't really make that argument. I know people have pointed to the numbers, but he's playing on one leg. Um, but James Harden's teams have traditionally fizzled out in the postseason. Joel Embiid's another guy that you got to be really careful how you manage some of his minutes. He's been tremendous this year, but I just, I don't think it's a perfect fit between those two. I think it's an okay fit defensively. I have a lot of questions of how that comes to be. And I think the uh, Sixers defense took a huge step backward with this move. You basically have to switch with James Harden and you can't switch when you have Joel Embiid on the floor. So I've referenced the name again. Seth Partnow pointed this out earlier today. You know, this is the one example I can think of more than any other of where it's really important to stagger the minutes with your two superstars. But what have we seen from Doc Rivers that leads you to believe that's going to be the case, that these two guys start, you tip the game off, and they're on the floor together for five or so minutes, then you pull yeah. one out, you leave the other in there, and and you kind of trade off until you get to the final few minutes of the game. I have no reason to believe that's what's going to happen. I think Philadelphia – got the best player in this trade, but they lost the most in terms of everything else with this roster. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they continue to play as they're playing now, but we saw Brooklyn play a little bit better going forward once they get healthy. 
uh, in the short term, it's it's still going to be tough for Brooklyn that you take James Harden out of the mix. Kevin Durant is is still out there on a nine game losing streak, and now I, I think the real question becomes, where do you want to finish in the Eastern Conference? Because you know Brooklyn, there's a really really strong chance they're going to be in the play in tournament, even if they took a step backward. I don't want to play Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first round of the playoffs, even if Kyrie's only there for three or, or of the games or so. So now you have to see – we may see more and more posturing more than ever before of teams trying to figure out, okay, if we lose here and if we win only two of our final five, then we drop down to this seed, and that means we would avoid this, this, and this. Yeah. That the East is just so, so incredibly loaded now with Brooklyn likely in the play-in tournament the Bucks and Heat near the top of the conference, the 76ers adding James Harden, the Chicago Bulls have played extremely well. They're not going away. The Cavs aren't going away. Cavs are I agree Cavs. with you that I, I think Boston upgraded at the trade deadline, so they're going to be probably in that either playing tournament or six. The Toronto Raptors added some more pieces, so you got a lot of really tough outs in the Eastern Conference that there isn't a – well, if we just finish first or second, we got an easy path until we got to worry about this one team. Mm-mm. There's like three or four teams you got to worry about this year. Yeah, running through the East this year, if you have to play any combination in Milwaukee, Philly, I mean, imagine playing games in Cleveland in the first or second round. Like, Cleveland might not be as experienced and talented and, and maybe not as good as some of these teams, but that's just, that's just got to be a hornet's nest. I remember that game they played in Cleveland two weeks ago. It was like the mirror opposite of what the Bucks did to the Lakers the other night. That's what the Cavs did to the Bucks a couple well, of weeks ago. I mean, right now, the Bucks' path would be, in all likelihood, the Brooklyn Nets. Then in the second round, you would get the Bulls. And then in the conference finals, it would be likely either the Heat or the 76ers. So if you finish second, it means, hey, we're probably getting the Nets in the first round. So it's almost like hot potato that you're going to see the Bucks, the Bulls, and the Cavs all like, I don't want it. I want to finish you know, third, or I want to finish fourth and have that four five matchup and then worry about Miami in the second round. Well, I was looking at the end of the Bucks schedule. They have the Bulls three times right in the neighborhood of the end of the year. They got the Nets in essentially the final 10 days. Yeah. Uh, they have Cleveland for their season finale. So I, I don't know. You typically see this in the NFL where teams are lining up in the final week and they're playing for positioning. You don't see that in the NBA as, as often. Um, and that's kind of exciting. And over the next month, teams could separate. I mean, January turns into kind of a slog, so who knows? But the East is really competitive top to bottom, and I weirdly like Boston, as you said. I like that they got Derek White, and I like Time Lord, the rest of their team, whatever. Um, But yeah, the East is going to be a blast. Justin, before I let you go, I have to tell you a story of what happened last Saturday. Uh, Were you in lacrosse? Did you frequent the Popcorn Tavern? Is that a place you bellied up? I did. Okay, so did you go, and I don't know what it was like when you were in lacrosse. Did they have live music all the time? Yeah, oh Okay. Okay, so me and a buddy, we played a show at the Popcorn last Saturday. And what happened was the second set almost brought me to tears, and I, and I thought of you. We started our second set. So at this point, everyone's had their, their drinks, their, their whatevers. We're, you know, everyone's feeling good, and they're settled into the show. And we start our second set with Queen of California. I know you're a giant guy, so that's a song that you will like. And then in Grateful Dead style, we go straight into Fire on the Mountain. And everyone in this bar, and there were 60-year-old hippies, there were people who were 21, 22, all gathered around, and we, we had this whole place singing, every soul, the chorus by the end of the song. People who have never heard the song in their life, they're just <laughs> yelling it. And yeah, everyone was drunk, but... And I'm, and I'm up on stage thinking, this is just... This is, this is beautiful right here. Everyone sing along, and it's like the easiest song ever to sing along with. But it was just... You would have been leaning in the back, just nodding in approval. You, you would have been proud. 
of everyone yeah, I mean, in this it's, bar. It's four words that you need to know. So yeah. you, you hear somebody else sing it and then you figure it out like, okay, I can keep up with this. It's very repetitive. Um, yeah, it was great. It was really cool. It was the only dead song that we did. Um, and there were a couple of hippies that kept coming out of the bathroom. I wonder why. I don't know what they were doing in there. But um, they uh, they kept asking if we knew more dead covers. I'm like, oh, actually, no, that one's like four words and two chords. So that's about all we can swing. No, I'm actually glad to hear that popcorn is still around because uh, there's so many things. I think I'm going to try and get back up there at some point during the All-Star break. Yeah. But there's so many things that uh, just talking to friends of mine that have like passed through. I have one friend that lives in um, in the Minneapolis area, and, and he, he has kids now that are, are playing sports that travel around and He's been through lacrosse a couple of times and just reports back of like, well, yeah, remember this place, it's gone now or like yeah. this. Or we'll ask, like, hey, did you stop here? No, it doesn't exist. It's actually this now. So the fact that popcorn is still there and is still popcorn at least warms my soul to hear that. Yeah, you would have liked it. It was it was closed for about a year and a half or two years for remodeling and they opened back up and no, it was it was cool. Uh, and everyone's singing along with the dead on a Saturday, especially after the last few years. It was it was really cool. Well, we made it through trade deadline day. I appreciate you. Maybe at some point when we get close to the playoffs, get you back on, we could do a we could do a preview, especially if the East looks like this, because a playoff preview is actually yeah. going to be fun. It's not going to be, you know, one seed versus the terrible Wizards and, you know, wake us up in the in the middle of the second round. Like these playoffs are going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you. And you're always willing to chat about the Kings for a minute, too. Thank you for the time. Yeah, anytime. Why did the football coach go to the bank? You guys know what? To get his quarterback. <laughs> this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. One of the best days of the year. This day is a privilege. It's a treat every year. Because for weeks we anticipate and we gossip and we hear rumors and we see reports about what's going to happen on the NBA trade deadline. And sometimes nothing happens, right? There, what was the year where Jimmy Butler was available? And I don't think anyone made a move for him. And we thought the Celtics might. And then we just kind of walked away from that deadline being a little underwhelmed. But even when a trade deadline comes and goes and nothing happens, well, then we talk about that. Well, why didn't this team do something? And why why didn't this team do? So, why, why, what? And then we could rip Danny Ainge for almost pulling the trigger. And without fail, the last couple of years after every trade deadline, you'd hear, well, the Celtics almost traded for this guy, but they didn't want to give up this player. We're like, okay. There are the Celtics checking in like they always do. It's the trade deadline's a blast, right? It's a total blast. And it started around... 1045 this morning. I think it was right after I got out of the shower. I normally come to work at 11. I'm normally a couple minutes late for my Thursday meeting at 11. I normally walk in around 1104. So that was the time where Sham Sharania first broke the news. Hey, the Kings are trading Marvin Bagley to the Pistons. And then more layers of the onion got unwrapped and we realized it was actually a four team deal and the Bucks were one of the teams and Dante DiVincenzo was one of the players. So that's when it started around 1045. We saw this afternoon that Ben Simmons got traded for James Harden, among other players and assets, of course. Those are the biggies today. The Lakers didn't do anything. The Knicks didn't do anything. The Celtics got Derek White, which is really fun, actually. That weirdly makes me like the Celtics. Maybe I'm coming down with something. Maybe I'm under the weather. I don't know. The Lakers said they're going to turn their attention to the buyout market, according to Ramona Shelburne, which is um, 
which is which is funny. That's like that's like having a significant other. Like uh, my girlfriend wants to go out to dinner for her birthday, right? And uh, I don't get a reservation. And she asked, Grant, did you get a reservation? What are we doing? And I said, well, no, I didn't get one. I, I turned my attention to Quick Trip. We're going to get some take-home dinners. <laughs> hey, take-home dinners are great. They serve a purpose. But when the Lakers are as down bad as they are and Russell Westbrook's playing as poorly as he is, like maybe, I don't know, maybe swing a little bit better than a Quick Trip take-home dinner. Maybe don't don't get caught looking to the buyout market. Maybe Maybe handle things at the deadline just a little bit more. I don't know. I don't think the Lakers could have saved the season anyways as a contender. But it's funny to laugh at them. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm having a blast today. This is truly one of my favorite days of the year. And if you'd like to call or text in, talk about what the Bucks did today, talk about any other move that took place around the league or moves that didn't take place, let's do it. Hit me up. 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Big thanks to Justin Garcia for about 20 minutes of his time. You hear him cross the Bucks radio network on WTMJ. That's their flagship. But you can find him on Twitter at TMJ Garcia. He's got a green logo, a JG. Justin, always so generous with his time. Really contemplative as a guest, which is something that I need to learn. Because I'll ask Justin a question and he'll go, hmm, well, that's interesting. Let me think about that. He's never in a rush. Always very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Thorough, right? We're, we're always going to get every detail uh, and everything that Justin says is always going to be very well stated in evidence, which is not always my strength. Sometimes I like to go off the rails a little bit. I appreciate Justin anytime he's willing to come on the show. Bucks Film Room, Brian Sampson will be here at 530. So it's just you and me until then. God, I love the deadline. I'm, I'm so happy and I'm so content and so thrilled to be here. I used to skip class in college to watch TV all day during the trade deadline, which is not because I'm like, I never skip class. Ever. Like, I would just feel guilt. I didn't like how it made me feel. Like, it would be more work. I, I would just go. I never skipped class. The trade deadline was one thing that I skipped class for, even though I never skipped class. It's because I'm lame, not because I'm nerdy. I'm not really that smart. I'm not that big of a, a student, not that good of a student. But I used to skip. And I remember when I lived in our old greenhouse. If you've been to Lacrosse, it's right off Lacrosse Street. It's by, if you've been to Rudy's, just drive through. It's just a really old house. And I would sit in the living room and watch first take. And then I'd watch The Herd, and then I'd watch NBA Today, or it would have been The Jump at the time uh, with Rachel Nichols on ESPN. Back in the old days, before cancel culture came for Rachel Nichols, before she got put in her cancel culture coffin. And I would just park it in front of the TV all day. And I'd watch TV, and I'd listen to TV, and then in my other hand, I'd have my phone, and I'd just scroll Twitter to see, all right, who's making moves, who's dealing who. I remember the year that LeBron, I think it was 2018, when they completely rebuilt their team at the deadline. Like, they got Rodney Hood and George Hill, and there's one other player that I'm thinking of, Jordan Clarkson. I think Larry Nance Jr. came back in that deal, too. They redid their entire roster. That was the Dwayne Wade year. I mean, that was just a blast to sit back and watch LeBron dismantle his entire roster, bringing a brand-new batch of players. I remember just sitting there on my couch being in awe, and the couch was wildly uncomfortable. Like, it was a terrible couch. It probably did years of damage to my back. Um, but I, lo- I love the trade deadline. Used to skip class for it. Let's talk about the deal that the Bucks made about getting Serge Ibaka. Um, this is how it shook out. Woj tweeted this earlier. This is kind of a nice layout. Makes it very cut and dry. Four teams, Kings, Bucks, Clippers, Pistons. These are the assets that all the teams ended up with. So the Kings ended the day with Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. The Bucks ended the day with Serge Ibaka, 
and two future second round picks in cash. The Clippers got Rodney Hood, speak of the devil, and Semi Ojale from the Bucks. And the Pistons got Marvin Bagley. So the Bucks sent Dante to the Kings and Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale to the Clippers. And they got picks and cash and Serge Ibaka back in return. And Marvin Bagley goes to the Pistons, right? It's fun. It's as simple as, as you can get it for a four-team trade. It's pretty straightforward. Nothing too complicated. Sometimes those multi-team trades can turn into a real rat's nest. Not the case for this one. Serge Ibaka, I don't think, is a player that was high on many Bucks fans' lists. Brian Sampson, who's going to join us in about 20 minutes, did a column for Fansided, um, and he covers the Bucks for Forbes, too. And he had a wish list of players that he wanted the Bucks to go for at the deadline. And I was looking back at it today and he had Serge Ibaka at 10th. So at least he was, Serge Ibaka was on uh, Brian's radar. He wasn't even on my radar. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bucks quietly looked for other options. I think if you could give John Horst a truth serum, he rather would have had Dennis Schroeder and Grant Williams I don't think that offer was there. I think Dennis Schroeder was there. Who's going to get bought out? The Bucks might end up with Dennis Schroeder anyways, which would be great. But Boston didn't want to part with Grant Williams. I think the Bucks shopped Dante and didn't really love the options. Serge Ibaka is a, a good player. He's played in two finals. He's going to give them forward depth, a little size, and some three-point shooting. And on a team where Giannis and Brooke and Portis are all healthy and playing their normal load, they don't need a whole lot of minutes from Serge Ibaka. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if John Horst looked elsewhere and was really hoping to do a little bit better than Serge Ibaka and just didn't. Dante's not having the best season. It's not, his stock is not exactly sky high right now. Brett is in lacrosse. Brett, welcome to the show. What's up, friend? Oh, I'm actually in Alaska. Oh, oh, close enough. What's Physical. going on in Anna? <laughs> oh, nothing. Just, uh, you know, waiting for NFL honors tonight where Rogers accepts his fourth MVP of the league. Uh, and also lets us all know, go pack, go. That he's coming back. Do you think he'll comment on the Shailene Woodley situation? Because I I've seen, I don't know. Rumors. He's probably going to drop something crazy like, Oh yeah. But since she's pregnant, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to stay together, like, but yeah, no, that'd be funny. Just like last year. <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah. No, my fiance got engaged, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, yeah, BS, BS. Yeah, I, I think all along we heard that and we're like, okay, you say you're engaged, but what does that mean for us normal folks? Like, what does that what does yeah. that mean in our language? Because I think it meant something different to him. Right. That means you finally have a girlfriend. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Celebrity. Exactly. Yes. That's very well put, Brett. That's you're exactly right on that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a first girlfriend. It's just no. I love deal. her. I love her, mom. No, you don't. You're 14. You like playing Minecraft. That's right. You yeah. Love. Listen, you're a celebrity. You just it's just the flavor of the day. No big deal. It's like Culver's. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Well, damn. Well, Brett, were you paying attention yep. to the trade deadline at all today? For who? For the Bucks. What we're talking about nope. at the moment. No. Nope. I heard you talking about it. I don't care about Ibaka. I think Brooks uh Brooks is going to be back. Yeah. It's going to be fine. I think so. We're all going to be good. Uh he he's going to be the next Giannis, and basically his injury is just going to disappear when we need him most. God, I hope. Ideally. Yeah, and it's going to be good. I wish Steven, Steven Chenzo was doing a little bit better this year. 
Um, I always like watching him flying around the court with his bright shoes he's always wearing. Yeah, but and I, it, it, I I like Dante's skill set. He was good at grabbing loose balls. He was athletic. He was springy, but it just, I don't know, some weird turnovers, bad shot selection, couldn't finish at the rim. It just, I don't know, it didn't look good, yeah. especially the last week or well, so. And, and, but last year during the playoffs, I mean, you could tell he was missing. Yeah. It was. It was a big deal, and now all of a sudden this year it's like nothing. It's like, oh, yeah, well, he's he's not playing well, so let's just put somebody else in. The timing wasn't great so, for Dante. It was never great. He was yeah. injured when he was needed and playing well, and then when he was available, the Bucks had other players. They had depth, or he played like crap, which he did for a lot of this season. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm not really too worried about that. I'm more worried about uh, the – the huge Eminem concert this weekend with the football that is going to, you know, cut into the concert. Yeah. Um, and then uh, hearing that, that Rogers is going to come back for sure, which was never a question to me, especially, you know, knowing what's going on in the AFC He's not going over there and he's definitely not getting traded in the NFC because that'll never happen. So his best bet is to stay put and just watch the Vikings and everybody else implode again, and uh, we will move on from there. I'm hoping so. So we've celebrated the trade deadline today, Brett. We can celebrate. Is the awards show tonight? I'm going to be watching Buck Suns, yeah. but I'll. Yeah, what do you? Is he going to say something weird in his speech? Or like, is he going to? What's he going to do? I, I, I'm I guessing he's he's thing. probably not even going to be there again. He's he's probably well, maybe he is. But like, they'll they'll have him record a message or something, yesterday. right? Like he'll have a video well, or something. He was just in Phoenix playing the Pro-Am yesterday, so he's he's right there. Okay. So, I don't know, he might be there in person. Who knows? I just don't want this to be a he's thing probably, I need to talk about He's probably not going to be allowed because That's... of his alternative medicine. But, you know, <laughs> if you if you ask me, I have an accumulation of information, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's open to showing up and accepting an award tonight. Uh, so Thank you for that report, friend. Thank yeah, you, Brad. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate hearing from All you. All right. Talk to you later. That's Brett in lacrosse. He's in on Alaska tonight. Um, <laughs> I asked Brett. What did I ask him? Do you were you paying attention to the trade deadline at all? And he said, "Oh no, I don't care." You know, maybe we could take a page out of Brett's playbook here. Something I wanted to mention tonight, and it's it's always worth bringing up at every trade deadline, NFL and NBA, maybe baseball to a lesser degree. Maybe this doesn't apply to baseball as much. Let, let's talk through this, and then we'll decide on how, if this applies to baseball or not. For the NBA and the NFL, we always need to tell ourselves these trades that we're making into the biggest deal in the world, they're actually not that big of a deal, right? Serge Ibaka is not going to decide whether or not the Bucs win a title. Just like Nikola Mirotic a couple of years ago didn't decide that the Bucs lost to the Raptors. And last year, look, P.J. Tucker was great, but I think they could have won or lost a title with or without P.J. Tucker. As fans, we are told, oh, whoever makes the right move at the deadline, a you know, huge leg up, huge advantage moving forward. And, and kind of, yes, to some degree. But if you go back and you look at all of the champions in, in NFL and NBA history, yeah, they make trades sometimes and they add depth before the deadline, but these players aren't deciding what happens in the playoffs. You know who decided what happened in the playoffs last year? Giannis played amazing. And Chris Middleton hit really clutch shots. And Drew Holiday had a couple spectacular plays. In 2019, you know why the Bucks lost to the Raptors? It wasn't because Nikola Mirotic didn't hit his threes. All that, that didn't help. They lost because Chris Middleton was quiet and Giannis wasn't ready. And then he realized that he got in the lab, which is what we say. Anytime Giannis makes a jumper, it's it's witchcraft. Oh, he's been in the lab. 
He's been pra- sure he's been practicing, but since 2019, Giannis realized I got to get better at this, this, and this. Got better at free throws, and Giannis won that title last year. PJ Tucker was there, and he was a part of it. But without Giannis and what Middleton and, and Holiday did, they wouldn't have won the finals. And adding PJ Tucker, not adding PJ Tucker, it wouldn't have changed that. And I don't think Ibaka being added or not being added is going to break the camel's back for the Bucks. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Fun to talk about these trades, fun depth pieces, absolutely. But really, these titles and these championships are decided by the 1-2% of players, the best players on each team. I believe this is Mike in downtown Madison. Mike, hello. Welcome to the show. What's up, Grant? How are you? Uh, this is one of my favorite days of the year. I'm I'm as happy as a clam. I love the NBA trade deadline. I'm having a blast today, so I'm well. Yeah, you are geeked out about it for sure, man. <laughs> You seem a little like maybe you're maybe you're too geeked out about it. I'm just I'm in a good mood. I, There's so much no, ammo, so much to talk about today, and that's why. No, I'm happy. that's totally cool. Yeah, whatever, whatever's your thing. I'm more of you know an NFL trade deadline guy. So yeah, um, but you're right. I mean, ultimately in the NFL, ultimately who wins? It's it's draft picks. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're going to score you're going to score your best on the drafts um, and let them develop with your team, and then. Um, you know, occasionally you're getting an off-season trade. That's good. But that trade deadline, yeah, you're not trading mid-season to win a championship. Yeah. Uh, you might add, like you said, you might add a key piece. Um, like, I really, and obviously he was released, I believe. Um, but, you know, like it's just like the Rams adding Odell. Look at yep. how much he's progressed just since he's been in L.A., which is actually remarkable and really good for him. Yeah. So, um, little Badgers basketball, man. Yeah. The Michigan State the Michigan State game was awesome. Um, cool. Illinois game was not so awesome, but it was really uh, <laughs> it was really cool to see them go on the road after kind of being let down at home and really close that one out on the road against Michigan State. It was fun. You know what? You know what's weird, Mike? And I said this yesterday, and I don't I don't know if you were listening or not. I kept needing to remind myself the night of that game and the next morning, Wisconsin just went into East Lansing and won. And it, it's I, I watched, I took it all in, I, I wrote some things down, but. To me, that seemed like such an expected win from this team. Like, that didn't surprise me at all. That's something that this year's Badgers team would do. And I wasn't freaking out, and and I wasn't amazed by it. It's like, oh, yeah, Johnny Davis, that's how this team is wired. They go on the road and they win. Like, that just seemed like a run-of-the-mill win for this team. And I think that really tells us something about this squad. I agree. They're playing playing tough on the road, and and to win on the road, the Big Ten is obviously an extremely hard thing to do. The Big Ten is stacked pretty much every year. Um, So, but I, I think... And I said this a week or two ago. You're the big production from Wall, man. I mean, he is like he is finding the most outrageous ways to score, um, and just kind of keep it going. And he's not huge numbers, but just productive. Yeah. Um, good on the good on the boards, um, and uh, good with they're they're doing really well with um, takeaways this year. I think the, their turnover ratio is really good, and um, just liking what I see out of their defense too. You know, I mean, they held. I think. I think I read that they held Michigan State uh, 11 points lower than their uh, normal average. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think their defense and they're they're pretty decent on the boards. You know, that Michigan State game at home, I think they shot like 27%, plus they shot like 43s. Like, you're never going to win a game that way. No. Like, they, they just they just had an off night. Uh, it wasn't them at all. I mean, I was sitting there watching. I was just like, this just does not seem – and Wall wasn't playing. So, I think you get that different dynamic when you have, you know – Davis, uh, Wall, uh, when they're kind of working together, and and I like I like getting you know, Davison off the ball. He's a lot better off the ball because um, he's a great shooter, um, but he uh, 
he didn't even have that great of a night against Michigan State. And, no. they, and they still did a great job because Wall was just, you know, killing the boards. Well, so. and, and Mike, that's what blew me away. And I think I mentioned this yesterday, too. When you're looking at the box score of this Badger game, like Johnny had 25. Okay, that's that's very uh-huh. good. But wouldn't you expect him to need 35 if Davison isn't really going to do much? Like, I, looking at that box score, that's never a game that I would expect them to win. And yet they felt like they were in control for, for 99% of that game. I, I don't know what it is. This team is just different. Well, well, I like I, I just like that, that that these guys that are being productive and and that are a little bit more physical um, are young. Yeah, you, know, you got your you got your younger guys. I believe Wall's a sophomore as well as Johnny Davis, mm-hmm. um, and those guys are going to be there for a couple more years. You know, they're not going to the NBA not right now. So, yeah. well, that's that's not talk. I, maybe Johnny Davis. Who knows? Yeah, Johnny, but Johnny might. But the uh, rest of these guys, no. Like like Hepburn. Hepburn's right. a good example. Hepburn and Lorne Bowman looked really good the other night. They're not jumping to the NBA, but you can see them. Like Hepburn gets better every game. He gets a little bit better. By the end of the year, I'm I'm amped to see how this team looks in the Big Ten tournament and then beyond because they keep getting better. Very good shooter, too. Yeah. Yeah, very good shooter. So, yeah, Yeah. there's a lot lot of potential there. Um, NBA, uh, yeah, I don't really care that much. I mean, I I think that the the Harden trade deal was interesting because he's just – he's such a – runner when it gets tough like it's yeah. so evident and his reputation is just trash now it so um it's just bad man and yeah you're right i don't really care about the the bucks trade i mean Giannis is the reason they're gonna win another championship this year so mm-hmm. yep that's it we can we but can, anyways man yeah yeah thanks mike i appreciate the call no worries man have a good night yeah you as well that's mike in downtown madison all, all that i was gonna add there is that, you know, we can pull our hair out over this Ibaka trade and we can break it down. Um, and that's what we do because it's deadline day. But by and large, in the postseason, is Giannis good enough? Does Middleton hit his shots? Does Drew Holiday do Drew Holiday things? Is Brooke healthy? Th- those all rank way above, you know, 12 minutes tops of Serge Ibaka minutes. You know what I mean? Holy smokes, it's 522. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll hit on a couple more things before we get to Brian Sampson Bucks film room at 530. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. If it really started to negotiate in earnest today, I was told Philadelphia had checked in in previous days, uh, had lobbed offers that had been returned without a counter. But today, Brooklyn started uh, to talk about with Philadelphia what a deal would look like and where it lands is James Harden, who will go along with Paul Millsap to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and then a 2022 unprotected first-round pick in this coming draft, a 2027 protected pick that might flip to 28. But obviously the key elements here, Brooklyn was ready to move off of James Harden, and it was clear he didn't want to be there anymore. They knew that, and they got enough back in their minds uh, to try to put a team on the floor this year and then beyond that can still compete for a championship. Uh, but James Harden, listen, this has been uh, the goal of Daryl Morey since the day he arrived in Philadelphia. He wasn't able to trade for James Harden uh, with the Houston Rockets, the Brooklyn Nets did. And now just a year later, Harden has essentially forced his way out of a second team in consecutive years. He goes to Philadelphia. He's been paired with a lot of stars in this league, and he gets a new one. Woj, 
who, by the way, got cooked today. Hey, it wasn't a blowout. Schmidt on the north side sent in a little breakdown, 608-796-2558. He says, uh, just started listening. Not sure if you talked about this, but Shams broke 11 trades today while Woj broke eight. Do we have a new king? <laughs> Windy was all over this Harden stuff, too. Woj's ESPN colleagues. Speaking of Harden, Woj tweeted something this morning. Oh, God, am I going to be able to go back and find it? Hold on, I'll scroll while I scroll. My name is Grant Bills, Twitter at Wisco Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show. And Brian Sampson, a.k.a. Buck's Film Room on Twitter, is going to join us here in about five, six, seven minutes, somewhere in there. Woj tweeted this morning, this is this is bizarre. He tweeted, ESPN sources, although Brooklyn Nets guard James Harden wants to trade to the Sixers, he has resisted making that formal request out of fear of public backlash that would come with asking out of a second franchise in consecutive seasons. What? <laughs> what? So someone had to leak this, and I'm assuming it either came from the Nets or from Harden. Mm, why would Harden's camp leak this? It's like, hey, Woj, uh, we want out of Brooklyn, but we don't want to tell people that we want out of Brooklyn because we'll, we're afraid people are going to get mad. So could you tell people that we want out of Brooklyn? <laughs> like, what? What? What is that? What? How is this not a formal trade? Okay, so we didn't formally do it. Sorry, here's an informal trade request. I was going back on fourth of Twitter day with Ross Uglum of all people because he was... Like, he was tilted. He was pissed that Bucks fans were excited about Serge Ibaka. And I was just, he was just, he was triggering me. He tweeted today like, hey, nobody tell Bucks fans, nobody show Bucks fans uh, the stats from Ibaka this year, as if that means anything. And then later on, Ross is tweeting about how, oh, Harden, you know, to Sixers, this is great, which I agree, but his logic is stupid, right? I was fighting with people on Twitter back and forth. They're like, oh, Harden's a great get. I was like, yeah, he is if he's not fat. And he's not riddled with injuries and he feels like trying and he doesn't ask out and blow up another franchise in a year. Harden, when he is engaged and he's healthy and fit and willing to play within a system, he's great. But when was the last time that happened? 2017? 18? When was Katie's last year? No, it wasn't Katie's last year. It was 20, what year would it have been when they missed 27 straight three-point attempts to end uh, Game 7 against the Warriors? Since then, Harden's just been a pain in the ass. So excuse me if I'm not, like, believing fully that Harden's going to get to Philly, drop 15 pounds, get magically healthy, fit in a system, and be happy all of a sudden. It's because that's not typically what Harden has shown us in the past. Let's take a break. Let's get to Brian Sampson. Been teasing it enough. Bucks Film Room on Twitter. His work is fantastic. He's always very factual, matter of fact, just like Justin. So we have a couple of experts uh, and not a hot take guys joining the show today. Brian will be next. Wisco Sports Show back in a couple of minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show, happy trade deadline day to all those who celebrate. You should all celebrate. It's one of the best holidays of the year. My name is Grant Bills, Twitter at Wisco Grant. Give me a text, 608-796-2558. Don't give me a call because we now have Brian Sampson on the horn. You might know him on Twitter as Buck's Film Room. Brian, welcome back. 
No more Brewers. No more Packers. We have now turned the corner and we're full buck season now as we kind of get closer to the All-Star game. And um, obviously, I don't think we're going to have spring training, which makes it a little easier to talk bucks. Now, I didn't read any of your stuff today. You can read his stuff, Dairyland Express. It's fan-sided. This is a really, like, cheesy, cliche, cop-out first question to start an interview with, but I'm curious. When you saw the Bucks traded Dante and Serge Ibaka was the return along with picks, what was your first reaction before you read about it, before you wrote anything? What did you first think when you saw this trade? I think the Bucks are worried about Brook Lopez and his back. I, I, you know, that's the only reason or the biggest reason they'd get another front court, a front court guy like Serge Ibaka is – for Brooke Lopez insurance. So that's the first thing. I mean, we still don't know any idea about what's going on with Brooke. He had a checkup in Los Angeles earlier this week. Bucks have been very quiet. Malika Andrews of ESPN reported that the Bucks expect him to be ready to return to play in the coming weeks or months, which is, I mean, very vague, but also the most detailed update we've gotten (laughs) the entire season. So, yeah, that was my first thought because in the playoffs last year, you know, the Bucks got away with playing – just three big guys and Bobby Portis, Giannis and Brooke, and they don't need a fourth guy with those three healthy. So that was my first thought is Brooke Lopez insurance. Well, and we're talking about minute breakdowns too. Let's assume that Brooke is healthy. Let's say Brooke is 100% and he comes back with a, with a nice ramp up period into the playoffs. Like everything goes as good as you could ask for. How many minutes would they then need from Serge Ibaka in that scenario? Because remember last year in the playoffs, there were games where Brooke would play a little bit in the first half, but then that was it. So I think you're onto something in that if they expected Brooke to be perfect and fine, I don't know that you make this deal because even if you want Serge Ibaka, I don't know if there's that many minutes for him to go around in the playoffs if Brooke is good. Yeah, if Brooke, Bobby, and Giannis are good, Ibaka won't see the court. Um, I don't know. You know, he's he's not the same defensive player that he was a few years ago when the Bucks saw the Raptors in the playoffs. Yeah. He can guard fours and fives he can be a little bit flexible in that but he's not going to score like Portis he's not going to play defense like Brooke uh obviously he's not going to do anything Giannis can do so if all three of those big guys are healthy Ibaka will just be insurance you know sometimes it's matchup dependent in the playoffs and he could maybe give them a few minutes here and there but typically you know Giannis is going to play the five a lot yeah. in the postseason as well so maybe Ibaka could play next to him but I think the the good thing is They've been playing with what Demarcus Cousins, with Greg Monroe, Oops. with with yeah. Sandro Mamu. You know they've been trying to kind of scoop up these guys to play these backup minutes, so that way Portis and Giannis don't have to overexert themselves in the regular season. So he'll at least help keep them fresh, which could pay off then in the playoffs. But if all three big guys are healthy, I don't think he'll see the court. You put out a in list. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And in the playoffs, everything changes because you you don't play guys just to you know, keep Giannis fresh. You're trying to win these games. So you don't just play guys to play guys. There's a chance that if everyone's healthy, Ibaka barely plays or, or doesn't play at all. You put out a piece a couple of days ago about your, your wish list at the trade deadline. Ibaka was 10th. How many calls yep. do you think Horst made between yesterday and today to different teams about different players before he finally settled on Ibaka for Dante? I'm sure he was all over it. I'm sure that he had calls out to a lot of different teams uh, you know, there's been chatter for a while that he's been looking for front court help. That was reported again earlier this morning by Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report is that the Bucks had been in talks with various teams about front court help. And so my assumption would be that he's been on the phone work. You know, 
he's made a bunch of trades every mm-hmm. year since he's been at the helm. The Bucks have made a trade either at the deadline or even before the deadline. And so he's, he does his due diligence. So I would assume that he has been on the, on the phone a lot, you know, figuring out the Bucks have limited trade assets. So it's not that complicated. Oh, yeah. You know, it's Dante DiVincenzo, Jordan Wara, or a couple of second round picks. It's really all they have to move. Cause Pat Connaughton, they're not going to trade him. Brooke Lopez, it was unlikely. So really they just had a limited asset pool to work with. So I'm sure it wasn't that complicated to float out and see who's interested. We're talking with Bucks film room, Brian Sampson, find him on Twitter, read his work. Would you rather have had Schroeder and Grant Williams instead of Serge Ibaka? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Ibaka is more proven, even yeah. if he's older. Schroeder, now it seems like he could be a buyout candidate. So they could still get, they could get Schroeder and Ibaka plus two seconds. And, you know, that cash is so important to us fans. So, cause yeah. now these owners can't be cheap. <laughs> And that was sarcasm, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they could still get Schroeder, and Schroeder and Ibaka, I think, would be better than Schroeder and Grant Williams. Yeah, I know. At one point, the Celtics wanted to do Schroeder for Dante straight up, and I kicked that around. I was like, "Well, would we do that?" No, I don't think that'd be smart. Um, and then the idea that they could get Schroeder down the line off a of buyout, anyways, is really intriguing. So now the Bucks, as by the way, did you uh, did you hear that the Lakers are turning their attention to the buyout market now that that was their plan on? On trade deadline day. I was watching that Poverty clip from. Franchise. Yeah. Ramona Shelburne reported that on whatever show it was on ESPN today. And when she said that, Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson just started laughing. And I'm like, oh, God. But the Bucks, I mean, the Bucks have to be a pretty appealing destination for someone off a of buyout. They have two roster spots now. What are some of the guys that maybe you're thinking about? Dragic, Schroeder, maybe an Eric Bledsoe reunion. Who are you dreaming about? Who would be at the top of your list? Yeah, so the Bucks will actually have three spots here unless they yeah, sign Greg Monroe to a season-long yep, right. contract because when his 10-day expires, then they'll have three open spots. So they actually will have to sign mm-hmm. so at least two guys here to get the 14. Um, but, yeah, Dragic, he'd be a good one. I know he has some bad blood with Bucks fans, oh, but he'd be a nice – you know, they need – they need another point guard right now. The only true point guard that they true point guards they have on their roster are Drew Holiday and George Hill. And George Hill has been dealing with injuries this year. It could be a little bit of age catching up to him. So I would say one of those point guards, either Schroeder or Dragic. It was just reported earlier a little bit ago that Eric Bledsoe won't be bought out. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. But that's what signs are looking like is that he's going to stay with his team. So I don't know yeah. that that'll be an option. And so I would say, yeah, they need they need a point guard. And then, you know, they can go a couple of different ways. They could get another big, they could get a wing, but I'd say at least one point guard for sure. A shooter, shooter would be nice. He would be injecting scoring into the second unit. I think that's what they would like him for is right now their second unit, especially with Bobby, uh, Bobby Portis in the starting lineup, their second unit really lacks that scoring punch, and Ibaka isn't going to help them in that area. So Shooter would be nice. You know, Dragic, he hasn't played all year, but he's another guy who's crafty and can score Dirty. as well. So either of those guys would be really nice. Yeah, I think so. if they could just get another ball handler. And I think Schroeder, I was listening to an interview with Keith Smith earlier this week, and he's obviously pretty close with the Celtics. He was all over the Schroeder-Grant-Williams story, and he was the one that I was following with this back and forth with John Horst over Dante. And he said, look, Schroeder would probably be way better on the Bucks, And and I believe him and I agree with him when he says, I, I think a little goes a long way with Dennis Schroeder. I think he's great as, as a scoring option on the second unit. I, I don't know that he's really the best version of himself on the Celtics. I would love him as a buyout guy. I want to ask you now about the summer and the upcoming offseason. And though we got a long way to go, but I'm curious because Dante's value to the Bucks was 
a, a mid-level contract. He wasn't $1 million. He wasn't 30. He was a contract they can play with and move around and use to match money. And he could have continued to do that, right? They could have extended him. They could have, it could have been a sign and trade or just a trade down the line. Do you think that Dante's value over the next couple of months would have gone up enough to where other teams would want to trade for him or the Bucks would want to extend him? Because what if they kept him, you know, planning for the future and then he just keeps playing poorly and he never really came out of the slump that he was in? I, I don't know. If the Bucks are going to make a mistake here, which maybe they do with Ibaka, right? Maybe that maybe it was the wrong time to cash in this Dante chip. I, I don't know. If the Bucks are going to make a mistake, I would rather have them make a mistake being aggressive and going for Ibaka rather than waiting and hoping with Dante. Uh, what, what do you feel about that? Signing trades are complicated. Yeah. That would be the hardest part. Uh, I think that Dante, his value is low now as it ever will be. I think it will improve here. You know, he's coming off an injury that cost him a number of months. He was rusty. He got COVID. He tweaked his ankle. And we've, we've seen him start to play a little bit better. And so I think his value now is as low as it ever was. And if the trade deadline was in another month, then it, I think they would have been able to get more for him. Not a lot more, but more than Ibaka in two seconds. And I think it would be it'd be hard to pull off a sign-in trade in the offseason. They got lucky with that Brogdon to the Pacers yeah. trade a couple of years ago because the Indiana owner was on record saying like, oh, he just wanted to help out his fellow owner, his fellow team, and didn't just want to take a player away from them, which is not the mindset of most teams in the NBA. So I think that part that part would be hard because, yeah, Serge Ibaka is an unrestricted free agent after this season. So Milwaukee won't have the ability to retain him like they would have for DiVincenzo. We're talking with Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room. Brian, at the beginning of every week, I sit down with my planner because I'm I don't know. If I don't write things down, I forget about them. I'm a nightmare adult-wise with a lot of things. I sit down at the beginning of every week or even sometimes two weeks ahead of time, and I'm like, okay, these two teams play on Thursday. I want to make sure I set aside time to watch that. This is the late game on TNT. Bucks at Suns tonight. This is a game that I had circled last week, and I told a friend, I told my roommate, I was like, okay, this is whatever we have going on next week. We need to carve out time. We need to watch this game. The Bucks have looked really good through the first three games of this road trip, I think once February kicked in, once they went on the road, they said, okay, we slumped a little bit in January, but but let's go, let's pick it up. What excites you about tonight's game um, other than just two great teams? What, what are you keying on? Is there a matchup? Is there a player? Because these might be the two best teams in the NBA right now. I think the Suns are best. I don't know where the Bucks would be, but they're certainly not far behind. I would say it, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. We don't get many of those games in this long NBA season. Sure. We, especially in February here, coming up on the All Star break. But I think the Suns are going to be very upset. You know, want some sort of revenge from last year. And we've seen Milwaukee lock in against these good teams and just show everybody, like, all right, even though our record isn't up there, we're still ready to compete. So yeah. that's what I would, would say. I'm most looking forward to is just that intensity level that I'm expecting from both teams. They both feel like they have a chip on their shoulder and in the NBA that doesn't always happen you know I think that's part of the complaint that casual fans or some fans have is it's hard to watch the long season people aren't always engaged but tonight I, I would I would expect everyone to be ready to go to go hard and to give it everything that they have so that's what I'm most looking forward to oh I'm so thrilled the trade deadline today and then to cap it all off at the very end starting at nine tonight we get Bucks, Suns. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Thank you, Brian. It was nice to reconnect, and we'll have to chat a couple more times throughout the season. We got the All-Star break coming up, and then, you know this, basketball fans know this, the playoffs start up very quickly once you get through the trade deadline. So this is where things get exciting. I appreciate the time, Brian. Thank you.
Yeah, thank you. Can I ask you one quick question? Yeah. Can I put you on the spot? Please do. So you released a little Twitter video today, and you're eating something in that. Was that like hamburger helper chili mac, or what <laughs> What was that, and why were you eating during the video? It was um, so a question. I, I was eating before the show. I, I don't know. I feel weird just sitting there. I, I don't know. I need to have something in my hand. This is a... Uh, this is a this is my mom's recipe, and I don't remember where she got off to ask her. It is hamburger and onions and celery and rice and a I believe a little cream of mushrooms. It's a casserole, um, so that's what I was eating. Yeah, perks of living in your mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, that's where I live. Yeah, that's yeah that that's yeah. She made it for me before I left for work this morning. You're exactly right. <laughs> okay, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good night, man. Enjoy the game. Yep. Oh, that's that's Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room, Perks of Living in Your Mom's Basement. It always takes a shot. Get your shots in on your way out the door. Hey, let's take a break. We'll get an update from Mike Clemens, who is in Los Angeles. By the way, in this video, I called L.A. the city of lights. I, I realized, yes, that that's Paris. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't want to make a new video. So Mike Clemens will join us from L.A., the city of stars, not the city of lights. Give us an update from the Super Bowl, and we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.